Friday and winter has returned to Nebraska and Kansas, and particularly if you're in our western listening areas. And up north, you're going to find plenty that looks a lot like winter today here on the 28th of April. My daughter's birthday, it did snow on her birthday in 1990. 94, 94, sorry. And what day's her birthday? April 28th. April 28th. Yep, exactly. We occasionally get snow into early May. Yes, we do. We just assume not to. Yeah, but it's going to be, uh, I guess, anything is something, and we'll take all that we can get. Yeah, uh, it's moisture. Yep, Just a little concerned about the corn. Even some soybeans have been planted already, but yeah. we'll wait. I'm sure we'll hear from the experts on what to expect on that. I did see a picture from Chabella from the Caney Bee staff earlier with snow on the ground around the flowers. Really? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't uh, take studios, too long. Yeah. yeah, if it doesn't stay too cold too long, we should be okay. Well, let's hope... Uh, New Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue is enjoying the cold rain and or snow he's seeing in the Kansas City area. He's down there at the American Royal visiting with some ag producers today. Held a news conference. Susan Littlefield is there. She'll have a report for us at 12-13. Also, bills have been reintroduced in Congress to reform commodity checkoff programs. That'll be in our ag news as well. We'll hear more on the weather from Al Dutcher, Nebraska State Extension climatologist. He'll visit with Shaley at 12-19 about how long this cold rain and snowy weather will hang around. Our newsmaker is Aaron Berger discussing alternative options to cash grain crops. Aaron from the University of Nebraska Extension. And then Cindy Cunningham from the National Pork Board. She is in at 117. She'll talk with us about USDA's National Animal Health Monitoring System. They're going to survey hog farmers about their on-farm antimicrobial use and their related stewardship practices. That's going to be an important survey. We'll hear more on that at 117. All right, we'll look forward to it all. You know, Dutcher called this play. He called this weather two weeks ago. He did, so he, he, yep. he was spot he on. That's exactly what he's doing. Anyone new calling plays in the NFL? Well, there's some new players who will be running those plays. Uh-huh. So No callers, though. Any no. surprises, though, to you first round? Yeah, I was surprised. I think a lot of people were surprised that Kansas City made a move to jump up to number 10 to draft a quarterback and Pat Mahomes. See how that works out for the Chiefs. You have to give those type of deals a couple of years before you know you see if it works out. But uh, they apparently have their heir apparent quarterback. Broncos, as expected, went for a much-needed offensive line help. We'll get the thoughts of uh, General Manager John Elway on that. Husker baseball team is on the road this weekend. Very winnable series against Ohio State. Now, I did not look ahead to see what the forecast is for Columbus, Ohio. But uh, the Huskers, they set in third place in the Big Ten standings. Ohio State, they're 11th at 4 and 8. So. Well, at least they're not trying to get it in at Haymarket Park. Yeah, the, the, it's been a bad weekend to try to play some baseball <laughs> in Lincoln. <laughs> Anything in Nebraska land. All right, let's move over to Bob Brogan and some business headlines. Well, we're kind of watching stocks. They're falling in midday trading, investors sizing up some uh, company earnings information. Real estate stocks lagged the most today, while energy companies led the gainers as the price of crude oil headed higher. Also, uh, a weak performance by the gross domestic product is being analyzed. Uh, They're saying it's the weakest performance in three years. And uh, on the other side of the coin, though, General Motors' first quarter profit rose 34% as the company's strong truck and SUV lineup helped it increase sales. All this today coming your way on Midday. 
Well, we're looking around at the cameras, we're looking around at the radars, and we're finding there's probably a lot more snow than uh, anyone may be bargained for. Exactly. Thing, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I was thinking, okay, this morning I was talking about the rain snow line is here, but looks like we may need to say the snow is here and then it turns over to some rain yeah. in the eastern areas right it now. It really is out there, and we're going to tell you all about what's <laughs> expected here on End of the Weekend on our regional ag weather with Paul Perkins, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Reiki dealer in Holdridge, out of the Lexington and Ravenna. And luckily, with uh, looking at some of those uh, cams where it's been snowing this morning, luckily the roads are just wet and that snow is just accumulating on grassy areas. But right now, for the most part, that rain snow line it's to the north. The snow is to the north of the line. It stretches basically from Norfolk to Grand Island to Kearney and Lexington to North Platte. Most of the moisture pretty much done to the south of I-80. We have a little bit of light rain to the south of Grand Island and Kearney, but otherwise most of the moisture continues to lift to the north and is staying to the north of I-80. That rain and some snow steadily declining in coverage and intensity as we move through the afternoon. The first area of low pressure it's going to track into missouri today to decrease those rain and snow chances but more rain and snow chances start to move in late tonight into tomorrow that's with the second area of lower pressure and a stronger system coming out of the four corners and that's usually where we always get our biggest systems tomorrow night into sunday we're looking at a sustained period here tomorrow night into sunday that low will track from northeast from texas into iowa to keep those likely chances of rain going all the way through Sunday night, and it looks like, according to the forecast right now, Sunday is actually going to be our wettest time period over the next several days here. We're going to see some rain and snow tomorrow, some tomorrow night, but it looks like the most sustained precipitation is going to be on Sunday, especially in the central and east. Now, we are looking at the potential of one to two inches of snow accumulating to the west of Highway 281. You know, it's a few days before May. It wouldn't be a few days in before May in Nebraska if we didn't see a little snow here. Absolutely. That's <laughs> the way it works. And one to two inches of snow possible to the west of Highway 281. More so, though, we could see some higher accumulations farther west you go in Nebraska and Kansas, including we do have that winter storm watch over western Kansas for tomorrow into Sunday. Skies clear out Monday with some warmer temperatures as that area of low pressure departs. A weak shower is possible thanks to a disturbance moving through. Another system expected through the plains Tuesday into Wednesday, but just a slight chance of rain right now with that system since there's a lot of uncertainty as to the strength and track of it. A ridge of high pressure takes control late next week for dry and warmer weather. In a long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas expected to be mostly near normal or seasonal to start the middle of next week, then trend towards warmer than normal next weekend through May 11th. Near normal to drier than normal precipitation expected for Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through the 11th. But there is an area of above normal precipitation just off to our west in those later periods. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning. In the low 40s in northern Nebraska or along and north of the line from Ogallala to Thetford and Norfolk. Otherwise, we're looking at soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s in the southern two-thirds of Nebraska into west and north-central Kansas. Now, south of I-70 in central and east Kansas, those soil temperatures in the low 50s. And some of these soil temperatures actually warmer than yesterday morning since we had those freezing temperatures yesterday. Weather factors in the markets today include freezing temperatures in the southern plains wheat areas and a cold and wet pattern through the Midwest for most of next week. 
Cold weather will follow an impressive spring storm, which could result in heavy rain and flooding from the southeast plains into the mid-Mississippi Valley. Rainfall in those surrounding areas of the central plains, lower Mississippi Valley, and upper Midwest could reach 1 to 3 inches, but higher amounts in those other areas. Late-season snow blanketing the central and southern Rockies and the nearby parts of the high plains and parts of the upper Midwest during the weekend. The cold and wet conditions will delay the planting in the Midwest for the next five to seven days. Longer range charts do hold promise of drier and warmer weather, but this is somewhat uncertain at this point. Western areas of the northern plains may have a chance of some field work progress this weekend with their drier trend. Damage likely to headed wheat in parts of central Kansas that was hit by freezing temperatures yesterday morning. More cold temperature threats are in store for the southern plains wheat areas through the weekend and early next week. And in fact, extreme western Kansas expecting to get around 4 to 8 inches of wet snow this weekend with that winter storm watch in place. Weather in Argentina continues to get more favorable for maturing crops and harvest. And close attention may be needed in Brazil if drier weather is an indicator of the end of the rainy season for their second crop corn. All right. And uh, cancellations and postponements, I guess, come into play there. Yeah, and not a good day for a golf meet or a track meet today, for sure. A lot of those fell by the wayside. And we also want to let you know that the Rose Auction in Blue Hill that had been scheduled for Saturday tomorrow has been postponed to be held a week further down the line. They'll hold that on Saturday, May the 6th. It'll be the same time, the same place for that Blue Hill auction. The uh, Regional Ag Weather, presented by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. You'll find them in Holdridge, Alda, Lexington, and Ravana. And uh, I guess as long as we don't get a real sustained cold, it shouldn't be too damaging. No, not around here, uh, luckily. Um, but with those wheat areas of Kansas seeing those freezing temperatures and then that snow that's going to get rather wet and heavy this weekend and they're talking a fair amount in western Kansas four to eight inches that could be a serious problem when you need weather anytime folks krvn.com Here's a look at ag information on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish. Well, standing room only is only one at 450 farmers, ranchers, and those who work in agriculture. Welcome the Secretary of Agriculture to Kansas City today. More from Susan Littlefield. In a standing room only venue, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue told those in attendance he planned to roll up his sleeves like he did the day of his oath and go to work for American agriculture. And I want to tell you, all the agriculturalists and the citizens of America, I'm taking an oath to the American agriculturalists that produce the food and fiber and the timber of this country. And I owe to you is, I want to do the very best job for you that I possibly can. You're the most productive manufacturing entity that we've had in this country over the last 75 years. And I want an oath to make it even better. What I believe USDA is doing a good job. They've got great career employees. But I'm not satisfied with just doing good. We want to do better. We want to do very, we want to do great. And that's my oath to you. My oath to them also was that we share one of those reputation. As a secretary, I have a responsibility not only to you, but those people who work with USDA. I told our 
teenagers. We, when I went to the Senate in 1990, we had... Those comments from Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue speaking at the American Royal Facility in Kansas City. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Well, more than 80 farm groups asked congressional lawmakers to reform commodity checkoff programs in the letters sent to the U.S. Senate and U.S. House on Thursday. Last month, the Opportunities for Fairness in Farming Act was reintroduced with a companion legislation to reform checkoff programs. The bills would make a number of reforms to the programs, including stopping federally mandated checkoff dollars from being transferred to parties that seek the influence to government policies or action related to ag issues. The measures would enforce a prohibition against conflicts of interest in the contradicting and all other decision-making operations of the checkoff program. In addition, federally mandated funds could not be used for anti-competitive programs or spent to disparage other commodities. Now, the bills are designed to increase transparency of the individual board's actions on how federal checkoff funds are spent. In addition, audits would be required for each checkoff program every five years. You can read more about that at ruralradio.com. Monsanto, Ohio State University, and 4-H are partnering to teach soil health and quality to 4-H students. Bruce Gorder has more on that story. Brian Leak is the Advocacy and Communications Manager with Monsanto, and he describes the program. The Ag Innovator Experience is is really kind of the next evolution in Monsanto's longstanding partnership with 4-H. And, and what we've done is we've really tried to partner with a group that that has the ability to tie ag education with critical thinking skills and in that stem background and tie that to a real world challenge and what we've done is we've we've selected soil health as the topic and they have helped us uh put us in touch with the ohio state university and in the end ohio state university helped develop this this wonderful ag innovator experience which really gives students the idea um you know about the importance of of soil health and how important it is when it comes to feeding a, a rapidly growing population and and really you know in the end soil is where it all starts the program includes students from five different states including many here in nebraska i'm bruce gorder on the rural radio network and the central plant nrd making some changes on how they handle title searches and transfer fees more on that story at ruralradio.com this is the rural radio network Temperatures dropping throughout much of the region here this week. I'm Shaley Peters, and today we visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. And Al, seeing not only the temperatures drop, but here towards the end of the week, some moisture coming into the picture and even snow. Is this something we can continue to see as we head into this weekend and next week? What does it look like? Well, certainly from a standpoint of snow, I think that the underlying question is, will the forecast for some of the areas of Colorado and the panhandle of, of Nebraska verify out in terms of snowfall accumulations. We have, do have some winter storm watches basically in the southeastern one quarter of uh, Colorado and accumulations expected up to six inches. I think the biggest thing will be uh, when will the event begin as a upper or low that uh, previously has moved to our region is digging down toward the south in terms of the upper atmospheric trough expected to allow that upper or low for over southern Texas to basically lift toward the Great Lakes and as it does so we will see the precipitation shield around that low basically pivot around the upper air low, bringing moisture back into Nebraska and being on the backside of that low, we pull in some of that uh, cooler air aloft. 
so it wouldn't surprise me that we will see some rain-snow mixture, particularly as we go through uh, tomorrow night uh, over the western part of the state and more Sunday night as we get in the eastern part of the state. I think in the eastern part of the state, we will basically be seeing a mixture of rain and snow before the system pulls out toward the Great Lakes. The accumulating snow falls most likely across the northwestern one-third of the state if we do see it. From a standpoint of major crop growing area, we have a lot more pasture and grassland up in this region than we do row crops. But, of course, we do see wheat grown in this region, and the concern is what will it do to the wheat. So, you know, I don't have a good answer. It's very difficult to forecast snow at this point in time, particularly as we're transitioning into the warmer season. So our snow-to-liquid ratios tend to be much lower so really the, the accumulating snowfall is going to be dependent on the ground temperatures, the canopy temperatures, and, of course, the air temperatures. All of those factors may work against significant accumulations outside of grass surfaces simply because of the stored heat. Even in the low 40s would basically take that snow away real quick. It would add, add a protective layer. But as we go forward, the good news for us is that at least it shows a drying trend once we get past Monday for the state. And, in fact, it looks like that drying trend is going to hold through at least through next weekend. There is some shots of precipitation indicated across the Dakotas, and some of that moisture and energy drops into the central plains as we get into a week from Monday. And then we'll have to watch to see if we see a repeat performance of another major upper air low moving in uh, from the southern United States up toward the Great Lakes region. So the real prime areas of uh, problems with the precipitation is going to be from Iowa eastward. In fact, there is an area of Missouri all the way up through Illinois and Indiana predicted over this next week with the several rounds of precipitation to potentially see up to seven inches of rainfall. And that would cause some significant issues because we don't see as much no-till planted to the east. That was particularly in Iowa and Illinois. A lot more of that ground is uh, prepped before we plant. So I think erosion would be a major issue. And then, of course, compaction and crusting as the systems pass to the east and we start drying out. And then we follow it up with yet another chance of, of major precipitation as we go in through next Monday and the following week in the same area. So I would not be shocked that we will see some replant areas and some significant delays with lesser delays in the western corn belt. So we do have a window. Hopefully it will materialize for at least five days of precipitation-free weather before we turn our attention once again to a very active weather pattern beginning about a week from Monday. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher, I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. It's time to check sports with Jason Jorgens. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Will John Elway continue to inject some talent into the Broncos' offensive line when he selected Utah left tackle Garrett Bowles with the 20th pick of the NFL draft last night? Now, that's the lowest the first offensive lineman has ever come off of the board in the modern draft. Elway talks about what sold the Broncos on Bowles. We just really thought that uh, athletically, the way he played the game, the mentality that he brings to the game, you know, he was, uh, you know, in our mind, the best left tackle in, in the draft. And so, you know, we're, we were wondering how things were going to fall. I mean, once the quarterback started, you know, jumping off early, you know, and it kind of increased our, our chances. But he was our target, and, uh, you know, so we feel really good about getting him. Earlier this week, Elway expressed confidence he could find a starting caliber left tackle in a class relatively weak this year on offensive linemen. Now the Chiefs boldly moved up to select Texas Tech quarterback Patrick Mahomes with a 10th overall pick, giving them their heir apparent to veteran Alex Smith. That was pricey, however. Kansas City sent its first-round picks this year and next year, and one of two third-round picks in this year's draft to Buffalo. Rounds two and three are set for tonight.
The NCAA Board of Governors has decided not to tinker with a package of football recruiting reforms that was approved earlier this month, essentially rubber stamping an early spring signing period in the sport. The Division I Council approved a sweeping package that would allow players to sign with schools as early as December, permit high school juniors to take official visits from April through June, and impose a two-year waiting period before bowl subdivision schools can hire people close to recruits to non-coaching positions. Also, two-a-day practices in football will no longer be allowed in Division I and Division II football. Following an easy victory over Omaha earlier this week, the Husker baseball team returns to Big Ten action this weekend with a trip to Columbus, Ohio for a three-game series against Ohio State. Halfway through the Big Ten schedule, Nebraska is 7-4-1 on the year. That's good enough for third place in the league standings. Ohio State, well, they've struggled. They're in 11th place at the conference standings at 4-8. Game one of the series starts tonight at 5.35 Central Time. Well, Nebraska Athletic Director Sean Eichhorst and Nebraska women's basketball head coach Amy Williams made a stop in York yesterday. Coach Williams took a moment to talk about incoming freshman recruit Taylor Kissinger of Minden. Uh, we feel like Taylor has those capabilities. She's a fantastic shooter, but um, the best part about her, she has worked to really um, well-round her game, and, and she is uh, she is um, developing that ability to create things off the dribble, and she became a much better rebounder than we expected and so we're very excited about what she can step in and do in her freshman campaign. She will probably get a chance to play right away. She was considered a top 100 recruit in the nation this past season before signing with the Huskers. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. There is a winter weather advisory in the northern panhandle of Nebraska today. Cloudy today with chances of rain and snow throughout the day. I'm Dave Schroeder. Authorities say a crop dusting plane landed in an open field after striking a power line in southeast Nebraska. The Odo County Sheriff's Office says a pilot found a spot to land about six miles southwest of Nebraska City near where the line was hit last evening. Chief Deputy Mike Holland said a farmer who'd seen the plane, had took the pilot to a hospital where the pilot was treated and released. He identified the pilot as 39-year-old Kyle Gress, who lives in Unadilla. Federal officials have arrived to investigate the accident. The Center for Rural Affairs held a town hall meeting or community conversation last night in Lexington. Representatives from the Gothenburg and Kozad School Districts, Lexington Regional Health Center, and the Farming Community were on hand for the discussion. Jordan Rasmussen from the Center for Rural Affairs told us they are holding these discussions to make sure the rural perspective on the important issue is heard. She also had an interesting perspective being a farm wife herself. Besides writing the check, I don't think I ever even thought about property taxes and how that impacts um, our operation and and what that means that when when property taxes are high, what that means that we can do less reinvest in the farm or buy additional property or make um, improvements. And so those are the things that I think about um, as as to how this impacts us specifically, but also um, what my property taxes pay for and how important it is to the school systems and without that. And so it's, it's looking into and understanding that balance between making sure that the, the money is not just being wasted, it's going to something important. And so seeing what's on the other side, I think has been probably the thing that I've learned most. 
The Center for Rural Affairs is part of the Nebraskans United for Property Tax Reform and Education Group, which is working to fund Nebraska schools without an over-reliance on local property taxes. Short skirts and revealing shirts are among the garments Kansas Department of Revenue employees are barred from wearing under a new dress code. The Topeka Capital Journal reports that Revenue Secretary Sam Williams authorized implementation of the fashion rules. Among the stipulations is that the clothing with a deep neckline may be worn only with a non-revealing shirt underneath. Dress hems more than three inches above the knee are also banned. KRVN is proud to present our first rural radio forum called Farm Succession Planning. It'll be live Tuesday afternoon, May 2nd, starting at 320 Central Avenue. You can send your questions in advance using Open Mic on your KRVN app or by Twitter at Rural Radio Net. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. The relationship between current grain prices and forage pasture prices in western Nebraska is creating a scenario where forage crops may provide an economically viable alternative to cash grain crops. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and here to visit with us today about that is Nebraska Extension Educator Aaron Berger. And Aaron, this is something, unfortunately, with the way that the grain market is right now, some producers might want to be thinking about tell us more on what they should be looking at when they consider and if they consider this sure so as we look today at current market prices especially in parts of the state i'm thinking here the western half of the state where uh, predominant crop may be um, hay millet or could be uh, crozo millet for grain or even wheat that's growing right now when you look at the value of those crops especially from a grain standpoint if we look at wheat right now, western Nebraska, 35 bushel would be a kind of common number we would use for an average yield. That $3 a bushel, you know, we're pushing around $100 gross per acre. If we're looking at Crozel millet, going to be same terms of gross dollars per acre generally based on today's market prices. If we look at annual forage and also the value of forage in Nebraska right now, it starts to become pretty competitive. Uh, at $65 a ton, if we can grow a ton and a half of forage, we're pushing close to $100 per acre in gross dollars as well. So I think the interesting scenario right now is also when we look at past water prices in Nebraska, if we put that on a price per ton basis, and what I mean by that is if we think about a cow-calf pair, if she's going to eat on average about 1,200 pounds of air-dried forage per month, which I think is a pretty good ballpark number to use, if we're spending... Uh, $60 per pair per month, uh, we're really over $100 or right at $100 per ton in terms of that forage value that's going into the cow. And so that can be a little bit challenging for us, I think, as we think about maybe some options as we go into the spring and summer, trying to figure out how to capture the most value we can per acre. Uh, potentially looking at a wheat crop instead of taking it to grain, maybe we're going to graze that or once it gets to the boot to early head stage, windrow it. If we windrow it at that optimum time, we can stretch out that grazing for another two to three weeks, or maybe we're going to wrap it up and put it in a bale and to have some forage that we can use then this fall and winter. So there's a lot of different options out there available to us. I think the challenging thing with these low crop prices is looking at how do we generate and net dollars per acre or minimize loss and I think some forage opportunities right now provide a competitive option. What sort of timeline are they on if they're wanting to maybe do that this year with their grain crop? 
So I think from a wheat crop standpoint, obviously insurance plays a big part as you think about your options there. So sure want to have a conversation with your insurance provider and see if you should just decide to not take it to grain and uh, go ahead and either graze it out or uh, maybe graze some, windrows some, and then graze the windrows or however you choose to harvest it. Uh, make sure you visit with them first. Make sure you understand the implications of that decision and what your options are. You know, as we think about summer annual forages, uh, you know, if we're thinking about maybe planting corn, obviously the corn planters are getting in the ground in western Nebraska. We're just on the front edge of that. You know, we look towards summer if we're thinking about either planting prozone millet or a forage crop. Uh, we still have some time there. Uh, a lot of those are going in from early to mid-June. So depending on what you have, what you're wanting to get done, and when you're planting a crop, we've got some time available depending on your agronomic options and your planning. Okay, so if this is something they're considering then, um, will it affect next year's crop? You know, a lot of them um, are well into their, especially with wheat, are well into their season here. Is it going to affect next year's crop if they make this decision now? Yeah, I think that's a great point. So as we think about the kind of crop rotation you're on, obviously if uh, wheat or something like that's a major part of your crop rotation and uh, the subsequent crops that you're used to planting in the wheat stubble, whether that would be corn or something else, uh, realizing that if you change that, that's going to impact crops in the future in terms of what you're going to need to do from a management standpoint and what the seed bed or the situation there is that you'd be planting into. You know, another thing, obviously, to think about as you evaluate this is what do you have access to in terms of water from a grazing standpoint. This would be livestock water. And obviously, in many cases, we would be looking at fencing as well. And so those things may be a limiting factor in many situations as to whether or not grazing out a crop is an option. All right, Aaron, thanks for the information. Nebraska Extension Educator Aaron Berger visiting with us today again about the relationship between current grain prices and forage pasture prices. It may be more economically viable for especially western Nebraska producers to look at these as alternatives to their cash grain crop. For more information on this and uh, how you can come about maybe making those decisions, you can visit www.cropwatch.unl.edu or ruralradio.com. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening here to the Rural Radio Network. With a review of the livestock futures trade, here's Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Well, what a week this has been uh, for livestock, um, and especially for the cattle market. Uh, sharply higher once again today, uh, just uh, following the cash markets and uh, uh, beef higher again. All of it uh, just kind of coming together, and away we go. The uh, April contract goes off today at 138, and leaves a uh, pretty good uh, discount to the uh, with the June uh, cattle contract, almost 14 dollars uh, discount. But um, what a day! Once the uh, once the uh, uh, April went off the board, that's when uh, basically we saw a big shot up. So we have uh, a market that has been. Uh, just on fire all week long and uh, heading into next week. It's going to be very interesting because of the discounts that the uh, live cattle contracts uh, are to the uh, current cash. We'll see. Feeders also big up once again. So obviously higher weekly closes, 
higher monthly closes turn to the hogs, they were also higher. <laughs> Not so much with the uh, nearby May contract, but the uh, uh, June, August up triple-digit gains, and also the uh, July. So it was uh, quite the interesting uh, day. Uh, cash hogs basically steady, but uh, sharply higher, bringing on a higher week and a higher monthly close. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, Dewey Nelson reporting. A new survey is set to take place for pork producers coming out here in May. And here to visit with me today about that is spokesperson for the National Pork Board, Cindy Cunningham. And Cindy, what this is, starting in May, the USDA's National Animal Health Monitoring System, or NAMS, will ask pig farmers who have at least 1,000 pigs to participate in this survey. I won't go into all the details. I'll let you do that here. But touch on what exactly this is and who is involved with it. Well, the survey, as you mentioned, will be for those pig farmers who have at least a 1,000 pigs and are in the top 13 pork-producing states. So Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, and South Dakota. Producers in those states will all be asked to participate in this survey. And what the NAM survey does is to estimate the percentage of production sites using uh, and the percentage of weaned market pigs receiving specific antimicrobial or antibiotics in feed and or water um, by reasons for use, and then describe their use of these practices in the feed and water on that production site, as well as providing a baseline of data, so that historical data on the use of these tools uh, in in the farms and understanding the FDA policy changes as of January 1st, what is actually happening on the farms. There is a lot of misinformation that is out there um, right now on what, you know, how antibiotics are being used on farms. And so with this research, this survey, which is conducted fairly regularly through USDA, it helps to understand what our producers are actually doing and what uh, what they're not doing to correct some of that misinformation. That kind of led into my question what the point of the survey was. Now, for those producers who are interested, want to get involved, want to help out, what's the best way for them to do that? They'll be actually contacted themselves uh, by the, the NAMS uh, folks or by USDA and will be asked to participate in that survey. Uh, as an industry, our producers really are doing a, a very good job of taking care of the pigs on their farm, taking care of the people and the planet around them uh, as they use the tools that are available to them. There were some significant changes on January 1st, 2017 on how antibiotics could be administered, uh, eliminating the use of medically important antimicrobials for growth promotion um, in food production animals, as well as also requiring veterinary oversight for use of medically important antimicrobials in animal feed or water. The pork industry is excited for this latest effort to get that accurate information and to find out just uh, just what our producers are doing and be able to to demonstrate that through uh, credible research done through USDA and the National Animal Health Monitoring System. Do you have an idea of when we'll be able to see some of these results when the USDA plans on releasing some of this information? 
The survey will actually be conducted from May through August. So over the summer months, the survey will be happening. And then the results of that information will be compiled uh, and released to the industry um, sometime after after they've had a chance to, to sift through all that data and all that information from the producers who do participate. All right, Cindy, Cindy Cunningham, the spokesperson for the National Pork Board, visiting with us today about the new USDA's National Animal Health Monitoring System that will begin a survey here in May for the 13 pork-producing states. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We had a quiet day, it appeared anyway, in the grains trade today, but watch out for Sunday evening session. Could be a bit interesting because of so-called weather threats or the weather happenings. With us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Well, this week in wheat, not too bad, was it? No, no. You know, if you fell asleep two weeks ago, you'd think, well, it's been a pretty quiet quiet two weeks. But uh, the interim in between saw that big dip last week and then really the correction this week is um, I think we're, we're kind of entering a weather market now and full-blown weather market for wheat, and that's what's got some premiums here. Looking longer term at the charts, this being the end of the month, uh, very quiet month uh, for, for a lot of these markets, whether it be beans, corn, even KC wheat. I mean, the front month contracts just did not have a ton of range here, so that's that tends to, that doesn't usually stick around long. I think we'll, we'll see some sort of pop one way or the other. I know that doesn't help a lot of folks, but, I, you know, we've been sitting here basically 20 cent range for soybeans for what seems like forever. For Kansas City wheat, I mean, really, gosh, I mean, it, you know, we were at 440 a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, right back here again after a test last week of those lows at four. And then corn, boy, I mean, you know, just looking at July, we've been in a 20 cent range forever. So feels like we've got something coming here. Uh, hopefully it's to the upside from, from where I sit. I'd like to see those farmers be able to sell that $4 price level. But a lot of downside here on the prices if you, if you take into what happened last year at the end of the growing season. Do you focus a little bit, too, on soybean meal and soybean oil when it comes to the trade? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, do some hedging more for the bean meal side on the feedlots, uh, especially in hogs. But uh, as far as speculating goes, a lot of guys avoid those markets. They're just not very, they're very liquid. Um, but, you know, those are much like the, the beans, you know, just a quiet range here after a break in the previous month. Um, really not a lot of news to talk about. And it's weird. Beans have had this supply side story for what seems like forever. I mean, I've been doing this since 2008 and 2007. And since that time, we've really had this big, robust demand story and tight stocks, but that feels like it's shifted now, and we have these expectations of, of uh, big stocks. We won't see that next week. That'll be the week prior with USDA reports, so that'll be, I think, a little bit of a headliner for especially the bean markets. When you start doing the math on the 90 million acres and putting on trend yields like the USDA will do, uh, that could scare the trade a little bit in the shorter run. So while I like to think beans have upside here, and we'll see that kind of crop insurance price plus 1030, um, I don't know if we're going to see it in the short run. We might see it test the 920 first. Thanks, John. John Payne can be reached at danielzagmarketing.com. And we see the volume of trade may be a little low, but Friday night could or sa- Sunday night could get interesting along with a new month next Monday. Dewey Nelson reporting.